This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 422 with Jesse Artigue and Gerard Brown. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 422. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Gerard and Jesse Pepper have been partners in crime since 2005. Their relationship started over a clean pile of laundry, and now they dish about life, love, and how to keep from losing your mind on a podcast called Marriage is Funny. Gerard loves his day job as a financial actuary, and Jesse continues to build her career as a lifestyle expert and online brand at styleandpepper.com. They enjoy preaching and speaking whenever possible, are always happiest hosting friends and family in their home, and love being enthusiastic pet parents to a rescue pup named Sadie Mae, as well as being intermittent foster parents. So I wanted to have Jesse and Gerard on because they have a podcast all about marriage that's all about their marriage. And you know I'm super nosy. So I'm so intrigued by couples who have marriage podcasts about their own marriages. Also, I wanted to talk to them about foster parenting. They are foster parents, often and on. And I really wanted to talk to them about their conscientious choice around not having their own children, but inviting foster children into their home. So this was such a fun conversation. We talked about a bunch of different things in a bunch of different ways. It was funny. It was insightful. And I think you're going to love it. So I want you to listen in to hear Jesse and Gerard share why they started a marriage podcast at the worst time in their marriage what it's like to record a podcast with your partner when you are totally annoyed with them, why they decided to be child-free and why they opted to become foster parents instead, the beautiful gifts and intense challenges of hosting short-term foster placements, the impact of foster parenting on their marriage, and they're going to talk about if fostering children has shifted their perspective on having children of their own. This was a really fun, insightful conversation. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love Jesse and Gerard. I think you're going to definitely want to like become spies of their podcast, Marriage is Funny. And I'm very, very excited to introduce you to my friends, Jesse and Gerard. Jesse and Gerard, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have two of you here, which is such a treat to have two people joining me. <laughs> We're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, this is going to be fun. I've had couples probably three or four other times, and I love the dynamic of like the three-person convo. <laughs> it definitely can add a little bit of extra interest, I would say, for sure. It does. And so you guys have a podcast called Meet the Peppers. And tell us, is it just the two of you on the show or do you have guests as well? Yeah. So our show is actually called Marriage is Funny. 
because okay. it is. <laughs> Why do um, I think Meet the Peppers? Well, because we go by the Peppers and okay. yeah, all of our social media handles are Meet the Peppers. So it's totally- oh, okay. See, like, look at, I was yeah. just pre-plugging everything for yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's perfect. Much appreciated. But yeah, we call our show Marriage is Funny and we actually, we just wrapped season eight and that was the oh first gosh. season where we've really had people outside of our marriage <laughs> join us on the show. We did some interviews for season eight and otherwise it's just the two of us. Yeah. Fun. Okay. So I have, this isn't typically how I start a show, but I have questions about this that I know my audience is thinking. So we're just going to go for it. Okay. When one does a podcast with their partner, (laughs) what do you do when you are like in a bad mood and you have to record? (laughs) This is what I think of all the time when I listen to marriage. First of all, I would say nine out of 10 times that we sit down to record, we like are accidentally in a bad mood. Not to say, (laughs) and we really, we're like, you know, we're lighthearted people. I wouldn't say that we're in bad moods most of the time. I don't know what it is about having, like knowing we have to record or, you know, we've got something scheduled where we're like, okay, this is when we're going to do this. Inevitably. That's the day that something's going to go. Yeah. Or like something happens where one of us is ticked off and we sit down and we're like, really, really, do we have to do this right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle. Like we are constantly fighting that battle of, do we wait like if you're about to record and one of us is yeah. in a bad mood, can you push through this or should we wait till another time? And sometimes you can't wait because you got to get it out. Right. Uh, one of the things I would say that we've kind of learned to do is just harness the, whatever it is. Like if one of us is feeling strong emotions, it's like maybe we could just harness that and try yeah. to make it, you know, somehow help us have a more interesting episode or an interesting conversation. All of our episodes are unscripted. So that's another interesting aspect. It's not like we write everything out and then we have to perform it in a way that's a certain, you know, gives a certain vibe. We sit down to just talk things out and yeah, I just have to cross my fingers that he doesn't (laughs) make himself breakfast and burn the eggs like he did 15 minutes ago. And here we are sitting in a house that smells like burnt eggs. And you're like, speaking of days that were really cranky today, actually one of them. I'm like, there was no hot water because he ran the dishwasher this morning and the house stinks. So I'll just, you know, light a candle, but that's fine. We have to do it. It's all for the better good of our own marriage, really. Totally. So is it therapeutic sometimes where you start off kind of in this like tenuous place and then by the end you've totally gotten over the whole, whatever you were not feeling great about at the beginning? You know what, actually, I think in some cases it like, if we sit down and we're grouchy, usually by the end, we're so relieved that another recording session's over that we're in a like much better place (laughs) or the opposite happens where we actually, we like, we sit down and we're like, Oh, we're actually feeling great today. And then by the end of it, something's come up where we're kind of like, okay, did that throw us off? No, I mean, honestly, it just sort of varies. And like I said, because we don't really plan out what we're going to say ahead of time, sometimes things do come up that. Well, here's an example. Like if we are feeling grouchy, but we have to sit down to record, oftentimes something will come to the surface that might actually be like the deeper reason why we're grouchy, right? right? And so if we can actually figure out what that is and then talk through it, then afterwards, it's like a catharsis has happened, right? And and we've been able to release kind of whatever it was that was bothering us. We also do, I mean, obviously our show is called Marriage is Funny. We try to take a very comedic approach. So you know, we're trying to make each other laugh. We're maybe joking around a little bit more than you would if you were truly in a fight without a microphone nearby. And that does infuse, I think that's actually one of the things that I love most about how we've organized our show is that because we try to make it about the humorous side of relationships, it's built in this habit for us so that even when we're not recording, we can be standing in the kitchen arguing over something ridiculous or unrelated to anything. And we've gotten ourselves into this habit of like, where's the humor in this? Yeah, right. Mm, There's like a different rhythm now to your Mm -hmm. arguing. Yeah, I would say 100%. It's like the ability to understand that we don't always have to take ourselves so seriously. And even in those moments where it's like, gosh, I could either be heard about this or I could actually point out that there's something kind of funny here. Maybe it's easier to take something funny and, and kind of lighten the mood and then and then kind of say, hey, you know, I didn't really care for what you said back there or something. You know, it helps yeah. ease that tension in some ways. What inspires one or two to start <laughs> a podcast about their own marriage? <laughs> Uh, That's another great question. I mean, (laughs) honestly, when we first started our show, we were in such a rough patch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take us there. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I think like a few days before 
we decided to do this, we're having real conversations about whether or not we should even stay together. And was the and podcast idea on the table at that time? Or was it like a couple of days later, you were like, as a no. way to heal this, we can start a podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, because that sounds ridiculous, truthfully. <laughs> but so what happened was we had just moved away from a lot of our friends, our dear, dear friends who kind of provided like very, very meaningful support and just friendship to us in a lot of ways, especially as young married couple. We'd been married about seven years at the time. And because we had moved away, I think we were feeling really isolated for a lot of reasons, actually. But we were having these arguments regularly and they were kind of getting worse and worse. And so one day I think Gerard just said, gosh, we need a mediator here. We should just record this conversation, send it to Liz and Ben or Rick and Joanna or Tim and Shauna or whoever it is and have them tell us who wins the argument, like who, which one of us is being ridiculous and which one of us is of sound mind. And at the time we were both avid podcast listeners. This was about five years ago, maybe a little bit more actually. And I said, well, you know what? That sounds like a great idea for a podcast. Love it. <laughs> Which again, it kind of sounds ridiculous because we're not experts and we literally, you know, we say this at the top of each show, but it's so, so true and gets truer every day is we're still just figuring this whole thing out like everybody else. There's no, like we don't have it into some sort of system or step-by-step -step process, but the act of of trying to figure it out together and in conversation with one another has really been what's healed us. Mm, that's really cool and extremely brave because I don't know. I mean, maybe it depends on your personality types. I could see where a lot of people would be real uncomfortable with that level of vulnerability in such a public way. Were you both totally on board with like, sure, let's just go for it. Or did one of you need more convincing? No, I needed like a full year before <laughs> we started recording. I was like, I just, you know, if we put all our business out there, then that's it. Like everybody's going to know every single detail about how I'm a bad husband and how you get angry sometimes when you're hungry. Like, <laughs> so why would we do that? Right. And eventually we kind of had some turning points where it just felt like, you know what, we have nothing to lose here and let's go for it. And yeah. by that point, then I had the mental switch of, okay, I'm fine with this. And as soon as we started recording, Jesse was the one who was now suddenly realizing, oh, all our business is out major, there. Major, <laughs> major vulnerability hangover. Yeah. Oh, after we launched. That's so interesting. I so are, is one of you more extroverted than the other? I think we both test extroverted, but in terms of like how we get our energy, but I would say I'm more comfortable putting myself out there. And I'm definitely a verbal processor for sure. And Gerard's okay. more of an internal processor. Though one of the nice things about our show, I think, and this whole last few years, several years is I think we respect each other's processing habits more now because we've just seen them play out in different ways and we understand yeah. them a little bit more. But honestly, back to the like vulnerability piece and who was more comfortable or less comfortable. I think one of the things that really happened for both of us, and this was sort of like the extra push we needed to put everything out there was that we had a couple of friends, our like little core group, when the time we were living in New York City, and so we were back east, we had this crew of friends, and guy and gal in that group of friends had gotten married recently. And literally, we were so excited for them for many reasons. They seemed like a great fit, yada, yada, yada. And a few months later, one of the other people in our group of friends came to us and said, gosh, you guys, saddest thing, so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so are splitting up. And we're like, wait, what? They just got married. I mean, this was literally like four months yeah, later or yeah. something. Oh my gosh. And we were so sad for very many reasons. And But I think also we were kind of hurt that they weren't the ones telling us. So I said mm. to our friend Christina, I was like, you know, why are you telling us? Like, why aren't they telling us? And what's the deal? And she said, well, they gave me the go ahead because they said they were just really embarrassed. And, you know, they said, you guys have a perfect marriage and you have it all figured out. Ugh. And they just couldn't face you and, and they didn't want to bring it up. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. And here we were literally talking about splitting up. I mean, we were like, should we get a divorce or like, what do we do? And here they think we've got a perfect marriage from the Mm -hmm. outside. And I think it really caused us to realize that if we aren't being open and real with our true real life friends, and they have this incorrect perception of what's happening behind closed doors in our day-to-day life, then there seems to be something wrong there. Like not that you have to give all of your business away to everyone you do life with, but at the same time, like these are close friends of ours and we would hang out with them weekly. (laughs) So for them to think we have it all figured out and then also not be able to rely on us as friends in a time when we might've been able to, I don't know, not that it would have been our up to us to fix their situation, but at the same time, like it just felt like it was very unbalanced. And I think that was kind of the catalyst what allowed us to say, okay, we need to change something here. And that was, I think, what pushed me over the edge for sure. So at that time, were you like a little more rosy on the show and then it got more real? At the beginning? Yeah. Um, No, I think from the beginning, we were pretty, we always kind of felt like, let's bring a topic to the show. We would both individually bring a topic that we wanted to discuss. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we would say would be like, you take something more heartfelt, I'll take something more funny or vice Mm. versa. And that was it. We wouldn't. Otherwise, we had no idea what the other person was going to say. And very quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, the funny was funny, but the heartfelt was always a little challenging. You know, it was having conversations that at the time we just weren't having and we weren't sticking with those conversations because they were maybe a little uncomfortable or a little tougher to, to actually have. And so I think for the beginning, there was always this kind of feeling like, okay, we're actually doing some hard work right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And that's good and important for us as a couple. Mm-hmm. But you know, the immediate response we got from people was just far and away was, oh, I thought we were the only ones. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was always the big kind of realization of, okay, this is, we're on the right track here. We're yeah. doing something for us, but we're, we're also being reminded that this is important to share these kind of stories because marriage can be, as Jesse said, such an isolating thing at times. Like yeah, you can absolutely. really feel like you're on your own. Yeah, And I think too, like, you know, both wanting to experience that, the connection and the understanding that marriage is difficult and everybody experiences that most likely if they're in a relationship, even people in a committed relationship experience that, of course. But also I think see the value in modeling what it looks like to share in a healthy way and approach conflict in a healthy way and approach personal growth in a healthy way and friendships in a healthy way. Because for us, it's been just so life-giving and Mm -hmm. it's been one of the things that's added so much depth and so much connection for us. And so, you know, we keep going because we understand that if we can model that, hopefully it will impact others 
just as they maybe can do some of the similar things in their own lives. Did you get a lot or do you get unsolicited advice from friends, like people who are close to you who are like, can't believe what Gerard said on Tuesday. (laughs) 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 On episode 304, he was kind of a jerk. Oh my gosh. That's really (laughs) funny. I wouldn't say necessarily advice. I don't know. Do you? Maybe commiseration. Yeah. Okay. But also it's interesting. I would be curious to know what you have to say about this, Gerard, but in a lot of our real life friendships, I feel like the more feminine partner relates to Gerard. Like the wife mm-hmm. oftentimes will kind of either take his side or give me like a dose of, well, have you ever thought about it from his perspective huh. or that yeah. sort of a thing? And then sometimes it's the opposite. I don't know if it's because of like who, yeah, I don't know. It could get complicated in terms of like actual friendship dynamics, but yeah. it's funny. I feel like a lot of my friends actually help me see things from his perspective <laughs> a little bit That's more often, which I appreciate, of course. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I think our parents think they can give us unsolicited advice yeah. when they listen to the show, <laughs> Yeah, but maybe less so. Super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks mom. Thanks dad. Yeah. I have a handful of people who oh, I bet. give me a little bit of advice here and there. How do you feel and about that? I mean, it's interesting because when your friends and family listen to your content, right. they're seeing it through a really different lens and often they're totally. not your target audience. Yes. <laughs> so yes. that's sure. the problem. And so yeah. if it's my girlfriend who is a shameless mom, who's in the weeds with mm-hmm. kids or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. and she has feedback for me around something, that's one thing. But like mm-hmm. when my mom has feedback, around, like she was, I can't even remember what it was. She was like, I think you talked a little bit too long about this one thing or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's funny. cool. Do you know what? You're that's- 80 one and this isn't really I'm not making it for you that's hysterical our dads both have told us separately that the show's too long yeah and we are always like you are so not in our target listener like that's okay that you think it's too long but we're not going to change right someone else was like well you should also have you heard of YouTube because you could also with your podcast (laughs) you could also go on YouTube and thank you I was thank you so much and I was like "Uh uh-huh cool people still ask us how to watch they're like yes watch your show (laughs) and I was like yeah well unless you want the same thing yeah sit on our couch right (laughs) and it's sweet Mm -hmm. it's like all comes from a good place but I mean my mom also very sweetly like wants all my aunts to listen to the show. And I'm like, Mm. mom, like one of them doesn't have kids and she's like 70 something. The other Mm. ones have raised children. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't think they want to listen. And it's not like, I'm not creating this for someone else to sit and listen and be like, oh, look how cute Sarah is. She's grown up so much. (laughs) But if they love you, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, they would probably enjoy it. No. And I mean, yeah, it's like, it's all very sweet. It all comes from a good place. And mom, your mom's if proud. Mom, I'm sure. If you're listening, I love you. I adore you. I appreciate love you, the support. Mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's just funny because it's sometimes you do look at that where you're like, oh, like the people closest to me who are actually like, I don't ever want my husband to listen to the show. I'm like, please yeah. don't listen. I don't even really talk about him, but I'm like, still, please don't listen. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. That's hysterical. No, thank you. You know yeah. what I just realized? Something that just came to me is what does happen oftentimes is that someone will hear us talk about something or tell a story and they'll want clarification often. Mm. Or like, I just got a text from a, a really good friend the other day that was like, you know, you and Jar just talked recently about the importance of building community and going and meeting other couple friends and building deep friendships with people in, as a way to create resilience in your own relationship. But this is what happens when I try to do that with my partner. Or like, they'll get, kind of give, which is actually very helpful, I think. <clears throat> both for us to know what kind of questions are popping up for other people as they listen, but also, you know, for her, hopefully, because she's giving me a really specific example, I can kind of speak more to it than, because we don't really give advice on our podcast. We more just sort of talk through things as it relates to us. But of course, if people reach out, we also have a lot of strangers that reach out and have those kinds of questions, but it does happen with friends occasionally too. Super interesting. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. I'm like, so genuinely curious. I have, so just for like, for the listeners to know, I always create a show flow and literally not a single question (laughs) I've asked so far has been in the show flow. Going off book. Yeah. This was not the plan. I'm a planner. And so, yeah, this was not planned conversation. This is just fascinating to me. So I'm so glad we got to have this be like the preface for for what the next piece that I want to dive into, which I think is kind of a natural progression of the conversation is that not only are you married, but you 
also are parents in a very unique and special way. So talk about that in terms of how parenting is a part of your world and what that has looked like and what the journey has been like. Sure. Oh, it's been a very interesting part of our journey, I would say. We are child-free by choice, technically. We, from very early on, both kind of agreed and were on the same page about the fact that we didn't have super strong desire or interest in having biological children of our own, but we also have in a lot of ways been parented by both our own four biological parents, but also these like really beautiful larger communities that we've grown up as a part of. And I think the idea of parenting a community or parenting within a community has just resonated so strongly for us. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of years ago, it actually, it hit me first, like this is a theme I'm sure you're picking up on here. (laughs) Hit me first that as we learned about this particular organization that we volunteer through called Safe Families, that short-term foster care might be a great option for us. I mentioned it to Gerard. He was like, you're crazy. No way. And then about a year later, (laughs) he had a similar kind of, I guess, realization. I can let him speak more to that if you're interested. But then I had dropped it because he, I wanted to respect the fact that it wasn't resonating with him previously, but he actually brought it back up and was like, you know what? I think this would be a great fit for us. Mm. So we, yeah, are short-term foster parents to kiddos in the Southern California area, LA, Orange, and San Diego counties who I mean, we can go a little bit more into like the nitty gritty, but it's basically providing respite for existing foster care families and then also short-term care for kids who in their current situation, their parents aren't necessarily unfit, but just need help and would possibly and most likely have their kids taken away if they Mm -hmm. didn't have anywhere else to put them for the time being. So I used to work with Child Protective Services in college. Yes, it was fascinating. I changed my whole college journey my senior year because I got this. It was a work study job that I kind of randomly got. Like it was so, so I had previously done data entry at an electric company. (laughs) So I mean, anything would have been a little bit more interesting, but it was (laughs) so, so fascinating. And I was already a sociology major and a psychology minor. But anyways, so in that experience though, my role was that I did transportation and visit supervision Mm -hmm. for children who were in I can't remember the name of, they were like acute placements. So it was like 21 day placements when a kid would get pulled Mm -hmm. and they often would be, go somewhere for like, you're going to go here for 21 days. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully your parent will be able to get you back by then. They just have some things that they need to work out with the Mm -hmm. system, et cetera. Some things that they need to adhere to or comply with. And then hopefully that then they would go back. So it was a lot of short-term placements. Some of them then turned into long-term placements if the Mm -hmm. parents couldn't do what they needed to do. But it was really fascinating. And the foster parents that committed to this, oh my gosh, they were just such amazing people. And they Mm. would, I mean, many of them were retirees and they were just like, oh, we've had like 37 children come. (laughs) Like, this is so awesome. So I'm just so touched. So is it, is it a similar to like, what's the timeframe that you typically have children for? It honestly ranges depending on the situation. It's anywhere from like, three days to, it could be up. Really the organization tries to keep it to two weeks max, but there's always circumstances where if it's a good fit and if the need is there and if the parents are okay with it, the biological parents, then it can go up to, I think the longest one that I've heard of is like three or four months. Usually those are the older kids. So for instance, when we have a placement where we actually end up being their official guardian. We have power of attorney. It's like complete, you know, so we can enroll them in school. If it ends up being, it's a school age kid that doesn't apply to us right now. Cause we typically have kids that are pre-mobile. So mm. three months to, I think the oldest that we've had is she was, well, at least probably two and a half, right? two and a half. But the funny thing about that was her paperwork said she was 18 months and she came oh to gosh. us and couldn't even fit into a size three T of clothes. She was so big. <gasps> You're like, this is like, a four-year-old. This is a four-year-old. Yeah, right. Literally, there's no way her she paperwork. She was like sprinting and hurtling over. She was catapulting herself out of the pack and play, opening oh doors on her own. Yeah, there was no way she was 18 months. So technically we're <laughs> only set up to have someone who's pre-mobile. But yeah, those placements are shorter. Oftentimes because the parent either will be really motivated to reconvene. And so Mm -hmm. if it's like someone who's looking for work and they need care in that way, or a lot of times it's a medical procedure or Mm. really truthfully, and you probably have 
seen this and know this potentially because of your experience, but I would say like almost three out of five times we get a need that like matches up with what our capabilities are. It's a mom who is going into labor and needs help with her other kids. Oh my gosh. And for instance, I can share this. We get just a text message basically that tells us to call our social worker and it gives us the very basic details, the age, the gender of the kids, and usually like kind of an idea of what the time frame would be. So the other day, last week, I got a request that came in and it said family of four. And again, we're getting this because it's like filtered through kind of a system that makes sure we're lined up. And it said three-year-old and a one-year-old and two three-month-old twins, twin girls. Wow. So they were looking for the three-year-old and the one-year-old to be placed together. And then of course the twins to be placed together. And it was because the mom was going into a job placement situation where she needed to be somewhere, you know, for a certain amount of time regularly and had nowhere else to put her kids. But a lot of times it's because, yeah, someone's going into labor and they, it's interesting when you go to a hospital here and you're in labor and you bring your kids with you, the hospital provides a social worker to sit with the kids that are there if no one else is around, if you have literally nowhere else to put them. But then there's this whole process. I don't you know, need to go into the details, but essentially the social worker only is responsible for those kids for a certain amount of hours until they actually end up going into a group home. And then oh if the kids gosh. go into a group home, oftentimes the mother or the legal guardian is the only one who can get them out depending on how much time has passed. And then if that time lapses and the limit is reached, they will go into the state-run foster care system. And then that can be very costly and time-consuming to get you know the kids back after that. And so it's just like, we are big fans of foster parents and the state-run foster care system in a lot of ways does such wonderful things, but there's so many situations or there are, let's say, occasional situations where it's just almost better if there can be some sort of yeah. stopgap. Yeah, it's really yeah. supposed to be a bridge here to make sure that these kids who don't really need to go into the foster care system can stay out of it. So what's the name of the organization? Yeah, it's called Safe Families. And it it's sounds- national. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sure our people are wondering, because this context sounds a little bit like, oh, well, it could be potentially abused as like daycare. <laughs> when if you have someone, who, a, mom, a parent who's getting a new job and doesn't have childcare, So how do they protect against, like, how do they prioritize need, I guess? Yes. Well, there's two specific things that I really appreciate about the organization. One is they take great care to make sure that their host families, which is what we are, is the host families are, I don't want to say happy because it's not really about our happiness, but they really, really want to make sure that the host families don't get burnt out or used or that the situation doesn't get abused. And Really, that's one of the reasons why I think that we work directly with the social worker. And so it's not the kind of thing where someone could just come, like the biological parent never knows where we live. So it's an actual, I mean, like we basically will go to a previously determined location, meet our social worker, the parent and the kid, and that's where the transfer happens. Like we show up at the car seat and- sometimes a bottle or whatever, you know what I mean? We have all that stuff at home, but so we'll show up with what we need and that's where the transfer happens. And then the social workers in charge of making sure that the parent is doing everything they can to get to a place where the child or children can go back with the parent. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And I would imagine, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the traditional foster care system, Mm -hmm. their like reunification must be much higher because the circumstances seem different. Yeah, it's always. I mean, I would say I haven't even heard of anyone. They screen the parents too ahead of time. Like you can't really use the program unless you've proven that, you know, you are capable. It's a very temporary need. It's a very temporary, 100% temporary need. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, they check for they try to make sure it's parents that are trying the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And so they make sure that the child would be going back to an environment prior to the placement happening. They check to make sure the child would be going back to, you know, no neglect or abuse, no addiction, or at least nothing prominently concerning. And so that's one of the things, really the organization itself, the way that they connect with families in need is through other organizations like halfway houses, hospitals, homeless shelters. And so there's kind of a lot of different ways that they can make sure that no one's just... And you know what's interesting? Every placement we've had, the parents have been the one to initiate, like, I can't be without my kids anymore. I'm ready to like... You know what I mean? And it wasn't like they really had a choice that much to begin with. (laughs) Because obviously if you're in the hospital and you can't lift a a baby, Mm. you don't really have any other choice in some cases. But they do whatever they can, even if it's like my sister can take care of them or whatever it may be. Yeah. I'm like super impressed, inspired by this organization. I think this sounds so We're cool. such big fans. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, you have these little babies. I also mm-hmm. love that you take the little ones because, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't mean, to, I know like the older ones need so much love and support, but I have a soft spot for, in my mind, yeah, I, my mind, too. I was a total baby person until I had a baby. And then I was like, <laughs> maybe not so much a baby person. <laughs> kind of That's hard. Funny. That's funny. It is hard. <laughs> so tell the audience a little bit about the process of attachment and like quickly becoming Mm. someone's primary caregiver, knowing that it's going to be short term and then having it come to an end. Hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things that helps and maybe Gerard, you can add on to this if you have anything, but I always go into it knowing that it's best in this case, even, I mean, I know this is going to sound crazy, but even if the circumstances are rough for the family, it's always going to be, in most cases, best for the family to be together. And I believe that. And so the end of our time together means that they're going to be reunified, then that's happy. And because we're not doing this for ourselves. So like, even though we love the snuggles and we love the happy parts and we love the experience and it's very fulfilling and it honestly really does, I think, bring us closer together. We're doing it because, I mean, I get emotional just thinking about it. It's like, the idea that these families are out there and they need help and they don't have anyone else. And the fact that we've got between us four arms that are really good at hugging and we've got the resources and we've got the community support and friends and family that are willing to help us when we have a placement is just the contrast there erases so much of any of the concern that I have about my own feelings Mm -hmm. around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say one of the challenging things though, for me at least is, well, when we have a kid here, it's like, I'm invested in this idea of, I want this child to just feel loved. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're coming from like real life, living in a car homelessness situation. And so you're just like, look, I'm here to just take care of and love this child for the two days, whatever the Mm -hmm. week it is. Mm -hmm. What's challenging, I think, is the fact that when we do hand them back to their mom or sometimes their dad too, is the fact that that situation 
hasn't necessarily changed. They could still be going right. back to living in a car and to homelessness situation. And that's really difficult. But I think what we've tried to kind of wrestle our, our brains around and our emotions is this idea of, look, we're doing this so that so that this family can stay together. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, in a couple of days, maybe that person can rectify some sort of situation, make something better. But at the very least, they weren't split up because of that situation. And like, that's a really tough thing to do. And I still don't have a good answer for it. I think it's really, honestly, it's the most challenging part of doing this is just knowing that I might not have really fixed the situation, Mm -hmm. but but somehow I helped out. Yeah. Do you have the opportunity to maintain any sort of contact after the fact with the family? Typically, no, but we do. Like, we have had a few circumstances where the mom has asked for our cell phone number. And so while we've had the child with us, we've been able to keep in touch. And then Mm. it's not like I delete them from our phone and they may not delete. So, for instance, like, I could reach back out and check in if I wanted to, assuming that they still have the same phone number. But then there's plenty of situations where I think they've kind of encouraged, the organization encourages for privacy's sake. Like they they definitely don't want it to be the kind of situation where the parents feel like they can come drop their kid off. Yeah. Or, right. Do you right. know what I mean? And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure we probably could. We did have a fun experience. Actually, we were at a restaurant couple weeks after, I think it was after our first placement, we were at a restaurant sitting outside in the, on the like patio area. And I, we still don't know for sure if it was him, but our first placement, we were pretty sure got off of a bus. Like we were sitting near the bus stop, you know, when you know what I mean? Like on at a yeah, yeah. cafe and we look over and I go, Oh my gosh, doesn't that look like key? And we both look over and we're just staring and he got off with obviously we don't know if it was like an aunt or an uncle yeah, or something. It wasn't, it wasn't his mom or dad, Okay, but we were sure it was him. We were like, oh, oh my, gosh. my gosh, that's him. And he looked great and he was doing well and they were taking great care of him. And we were like, if that's not him, then it was just a really, really weird accident. But yeah. it did kind of feel like an interesting. Oh, that would make me want to go like run down the street and follow. Them. I know. <laughs> and he was really, really, really special. So it was definitely tempting. Oh my goodness. I was nervous that it wouldn't like, nervous. even if he knew us, like, wouldn't yeah. it be weird for the people, the adults he was with to be like, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. From this child. Yeah. Yes, totally. You mentioned the impact on your marriage. Can you talk a little bit about that? The impact of foster care placement on your marriage? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, since we're not parents, it was kind of a new venture to, to like suddenly bring in like full fledged babies and, and yeah. into our lives. I'm like, can me. you heat up the bottle? And he's like, I'm like, how? <laughs> we like, I don't know this- either. So someone yeah. find a YouTube video. Oh my gosh. I know. Was this your first time changing a diaper? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah our first placement was his first time ever changing a diaper. Oh Excellent, at it, by the way. He's really good at it. I love um, it. So great. <laughs> but I would say, I think what we didn't anticipate was it is obviously all parents are going to roll their eyes at this moment, but it's really disruptive to suddenly have like a small child in your Mm -hmm. household. And here we are trying to go about our normal day. Like I'm going off to work. Jesse's working from home. Now she has a kid here as well, who she's trying to take care of and get done some of her work. And which is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure before you had a child there, you're like, Oh, it's fine. Like just when they take a nap, I'll yeah. get a whole bunch of things. Totally. Done. Or yeah. like, cause this right. is here, sit here on the floor and play next to me while I work. <laughs> right. This is exactly what every first time mom goes yeah. through where you're yeah. like, it's mm. fine. I'll just put them in an ergo and it'll be fine. And then you're yeah. like, no, that's so not cute. like if I return one email in a day, it's a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so much respect. So I think just as like any new parents to go through, I think we were kind of experiencing that as well on a very short period of time but it was very much like oh, okay this is going to take more effort and more attention than we thought and then that's actually where part of say families well-organized group of organization is that they're also trying to get people involved who can support host families and so we quickly had a bunch of people from our church who are also involved with safe families like come bring clothes, come watch. Uh, we had diapers getting from, dropped yeah. off on our front door. Nobody ranked, like wow. people were so respectful. And so, I mean, actually one of my favorite stories was before our very first placement, we had someone who we barely knew at church come up to us and shove two wadded up $20 bills into my hand. Oh my and gosh. she barely knew us. I barely knew her. I came to find out much later. Well, she like sticks them into my hand and she goes, I know you have a placement coming up this week. This is for diapers. And 
I found out much later that she had just moved back to the United States. She had been a missionary overseas. She had no job, no money at the time. And obviously, like we've connected in a really meaningful way since then. But at the time, it was just, she was like, you need this $40 yeah. more than I do. And truthfully, like we probably would have been fine without the $40. But the fact that people have come out of the woodwork to just be there and support us and whether or not they're part of the organization or not, you don't have to be, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's more about, you know, even sometimes it's nothing tangible or like action oriented, but it's the friends of mine who've said like, call me in the middle of the night if you can't get him or her to sleep and you need ideas or like, you know, let me know neighbors who've said, let us know if you need us to run to Rite Aid for anything or whatever. It's been amazing, but I think it's allowed us to rely on each other in ways that we just, we didn't have to before. And it's very interesting. And again, like we don't do this for ourselves, but every time we have a placement, we look at each other and we just are like, we feel so connected. to each other, even though it's challenging. Yeah. So does that begs the question then having had placements and have that and given that massive impact on your relationship in terms of bringing you closer together, does that change your perspective around remaining Mm. child-free by choice? Mm, That's a great question. Occasionally Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, if someday we would potentially have permanent children of our own, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit nuanced for us because we, it won't happen for us biologically without a lot of intention and money Mm -hmm. and needles and whatever else goes into that. So that kind of eliminates that whole piece of it. And I just don't know, like, I think for us, because we've gotten to this point where we realize that this is an opportunity for us to parent in a way that feels like there's a need, but it also fits in really well with what we're able to offer. I don't know. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm speaking for myself here, but yeah, I'm just not sure. I don't know. Do you feel like- Yeah, I want to hear Jared's perspective. Yeah. Do I feel more compelled now to have kids? Is that what you're saying? Like, has it changed your perspective on remaining child-free or do you feel like there's the potential for that to shift in terms of your desire to have your own children? Huh. (laughs) In some ways, while you think about who's thinking, I can tell, internal, verbal. (laughs) Um, In some ways, I think it's actually affirmed our decision. Solidified it. Yeah. Personally, for me, I think there's a lot of ways where I'm like, oh, yep, this is really... (laughs) I was really tired the last three weeks with that baby, so we're good. Yeah, exactly. Like, Or this, it's more like this is a much better fit for us than having... But then there's also situations where I think, you know... Would this be less traumatic for both us and the child or more fun or easier for everybody or more important or meaningful if it were a more permanent, like an adoption Mm -hmm. situation? Yeah. But I just don't think that's the right fit for us at this time. I wouldn't say it's like compelled me to think that we should have our own kids or or Mm -hmm. whatever the scenario, right? Foster adoption. But it does continue to affirm in me there's a need here. Mm-hmm. And even just being reminded too of when our friends have kids, very much the experience that we had having a temporary placement, they're going through a permanent placement mm-hmm. and need support as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. it, it kind of opens your eyes a little more to say, okay, it's obviously very difficult to be a parent. And if people are willing to come out of the woodworks for us, just because we're going to host a child for a couple of days or a week, I think we can do the same for others who are, you know, have a kid who's six months old and are going through their own change there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. So first of all, thank you so much for answering all these questions and letting me lead you in all sorts of directions that we didn't plan on. This has been really, really fascinating and amazing and heartfelt. And I'm really grateful for the vulnerability that you guys had in talking about marriage and parenting, (laughs) just putting it all on the table. Yeah. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find your show. And then also just talk a little bit about Safe Families. You said it is a national organization. It is. Yeah. It was founded in Chicago and they're all over. So I think if you go to safe-families.org, I'm pretty sure, or you could just Google it and it'll come right up. Yeah. And then our show is called Marriage is Funny. You can find it on any of your preferred podcast providers. That's the way I wanted to say that. And you can also find us on social media at Meet the Peppers. 
also meetthepeppers.com for all that's going on over there. And I will say too, one of the things that we worked really hard on in the past few months was putting together basically like an unpacking of some of the marriage myths that really tripped us up over the years, both at the beginning and then kind of all the way through up until now. And we put them into a video series. It's kind of like a fun little three-part workshop and it's totally free. And we put them in a special part of our website just for your listeners. So we'll include that maybe if you want to put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, shoot me an email with that link and then I'll include that in the show notes as well. Okay, cool. It's just meetthepeppers.com slash shameless mom. Okay. And, you know, it's one of the ways that we also try to kind of keep things going for us is looking at the things that don't serve us in terms of like marriage advice or things people have shared with us. And we just look at each one and decide what parts of it are helpful, what aren't helpful, and how can we reframe it for ourselves? And so that's been kind of a fun little project for us as well. Fun. Okay. I'll link up in the show notes. So I'll Yay. link everything up that it was just mentioned. Yeah. So if they go to my website at shamelessmom.com, they Got will see it. your show notes for your episode. Oh, and that will have the link to meetthepeppers.com slash shamelessmom. Got it. Okay. So thank you so much, Jesse. Honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.